Good day. Welcome, welcome. What I Wish I Knew series from Verisent. At Verisent, we strive to have meaningful conversations on topics that leaders and sales professionals, people just like you, care about and that you want to know more about. So in this What I Wish I Knew series, I'm super excited to talk to industry leaders so they can share their experiences and insights with you. So I have the special privilege today. I am joined by colleague and product marketing leader, James Mulligan. Um, James has been with Verisent for as long as Verisent has been Verisent. I don't know if I can say Verisent more in one sentence, but James has done everything from soup to nuts at Verisent. In fact, I'll let you, James, introduce what you <laughs> and I'll kick off the session. Yeah, no, I uh, I joined Verisent right out of uh, out of university, way, 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 way back in the day. Um, and yeah, it's just been really cool going through the the entire journey. Um, not only the the journey of the organization, but seeing the journey that our customers have been on, just been really exciting. Whether I'm on the implementation side, the sales side, the marketing side, the operation side, all the different components there, it's just been really cool to see the the evolution there. Just just seeing where where sales performance management has gone in those twenty years. Oh my god. Uh, it, 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 it's been, it's been a, a really cool journey and I appreciate you having me on to talk a bit about it. Amazing. And speaking of 20 years ago, the headline was there was this groundbreaking incentive compensation technology stuff that payroll companies couldn't do, HR companies couldn't do. Um, however, James, you know, I think that you've personally witnessed the consumer adoption curve when it comes to incentive comp, right? So from people just figuring out what it is to fairly mature in the market. So maybe we can start off by talking about your experience going through this journey with clients from new tech to the evolution of what customers needs are today. Yeah, sure. Uh, I kind of categorize it into to four stages. And this is just based off of, you know, the, the, the conversations I was having, the conversations I was having 20 years ago versus the conversations we're having today are, are very, very different. Um, if I think about it, the first the first conversations that 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 we were having as as very very early stage Verisent was, can you calculate my call? It was I call it like the calculator stage. It was simply this is in a system that isn't working for us, and all the questions were sort of, hey, can you calculate this? Do you do this rule? Can you do that rule? So it was really focused on the basics of calculation, um, and it really accuracy and timeliness were the the primary concerns as. It became more and more adopted and more and more um, the, the, the value started to be realized. We looked at it not just at the calculation stage, but actually automating that entire process. So that's what I call it the automation stage, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and what that meant is that things like reporting, things like workflow, things like uh, inquiries or, or disputes are all managed, therefore, within that single system. So you're not just simply looking at it as a process of, of calculating a number, you're looking at it as automating the, the entire process. And the great thing that comes with automation means that the individuals who used to have to spend time with those manual tasks, they all of a sudden had a little bit more time on their hands, some right. more, some less. But really what that allowed them to do is in this next stage that I, I see is the, the, the value stage where they started to look at this process as now that I've got less time spent on these manual processes, how do I continue to add value to the organization, looking at things like comprehensive reporting, coaching, maximizing the ROI of the incentives programs, and all of that really continue to drive the, the value of, uh, of these programs forward. And then I get sort of where we are today, and it's not exactly where we are today, but sort of being, being adopted. And that's really what I call 
well, I don't really call it all the current stage, I'll fairly say. <laughs> but what, what I'm starting to see is that organizations are starting to realize that it's not just the compensation plan, not just the compensation process. With advancements in data, connectivity, data availability, and, and AI, it's starting to look at this as a whole go-to-market process as opposed to just incentive, incentive compensation uh, as, as a process. And what that means is that we start to look at the entire sales ecosystem and ensuring that the individuals who are being empowered through these plans, who are being motivated through these plans, are, are aligned and really maximizing their outcomes. So it's gone from, hey, can you calculate this to, hey, can you really empower these individuals who are going out and executing on our go-to-market strategy in, in the best way possible? Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you you talk about, so once we get past one and two, where it's like calculating, automating, and then in value, you know, the even the type of person that leads and manages incentive compensation, like that role itself is changing because it it's no longer required for the leader for that function to be um, super, super administrative and just getting the task done. That person now is getting the seat at the table because they're having conversations about how they can tie something like incentive comp to corporate strategy and amplify, right? So this is some of the cool stuff we're working on um, together and with our clients. And so that being said, you know, you, you're kind of witnessing this with some of our clients. What have you seen? Do you have an example of a client that um, you've seen evolve over the years? Yeah, you, you asked me this in our, in our prep session, and I sort of thought back, you know, all of the, the, the evolutions I've seen is just based off the conversations that, that I've been having. It's not necessarily, you know, this is us driving it. It's just this is the evolution of the way that people are starting to look at it. And I thought back to to one of the first organizations that that we started to engage with when I came over here to uh, to the UK about 15 years ago was... They, the first conversation I had with them, I, I was I was in the, the pre-sale seat and I effectively thought I was like stump the chump, me being the chump, I think I played the role well. Uh, and really what it was is, hey, can you do this calc? Can you do that calc? Can you do this rule? Can you do that rule? What about crediting? What about this? And that was the entire focus of the conversation. Uh, we didn't end up actually like actually having them as a customer for many years afterwards. But as we moved into that, the conversations that we had the next time around with them changed drastically. It was really about the automation of the whole uh, process, the end-to-end -end process of how you ensure that, like you said, the incentives are driving the behavior that you want. You're getting that return on investment. And as they matured as as a partner with us in 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 um, in our customer ecosystem, they started to do some amazing things around front-end engagement and really how they started to drive how they leverage incentives to engage with the seller, bring that front office, the individuals who are out there into the process. No longer it's just that administrative uh, view. It's actually, how do you drive that value up? And in the conversations we're having with them now, it's all about, you know, this is, this is the, the start of something. This isn't the end. We were still looking at how do we leverage things like AI? How do we integrate with other processes like crediting, territories, quotas, targets, all of these other things that are starting to come into the fold um, and I really I love that idea because their maturity curve went from very, very, very much aligned with everybody else. But as they continued to go, they really shot up and were able to to leverage some pretty, pretty interesting and amazing things in, in their journey as, as a partner with us. Well, I've I've had the privilege, too, of speaking with a number of clients over the last number of years. Um, and AI is on lots of people's minds. It's on lots of leaders' minds. In fact, I was chatting with one of our leaders internally yesterday, and she was saying that 
any leader who's been in the business for 20 years plus in their business for 20 years plus are under immense pressure to define what their AI strategy is going to be. So that being said, um, what do you think the big problem is that AI is going to solve for our clients? Like what, what do you think is going to be the problem that's solved with this powerful tech? Uh, to, to, to be honest, I think if I, if I answer the question, it'll be outdated by the time I finish the answer, things are just adopting at such a, such a rapid pace. Um, I was talking to one of our partners over here, um, and, and she mentioned that, listen, it, 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 you have to start now. If you start now, you're behind almost already. So, uh, you know, AI will continue to learn and continue to learn with you. So starting early and continuing to adopt is, is, is going to be, going to be paramount. Um, I think the adoption is probably going to be the biggest challenge. There's so many opportunities, so much noise around what AI is and what AI can do, you know, like sort of seeing around corners and things like that as an idea, um, you know, you've got to be able to harness it and understand, you know, what's the impact of how much effort do you have to put in versus how much value you're going to get. But we got to start doing something and, and we've got a lot of stuff going on here that, uh, that we'll, we'll happily share at some point, but uh, I don't think that's where <laughs> you might want to be going through a whole sales pitch from a perspective. <laughs> as, as two of us as former salespeople are like, let me tell you about the benefits. Stop. And that's, stop. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> um, and I think the thing is, is that there, there are lots of people who are kind of chomping at the bit to get going with AI, but most companies just aren't there yet. So mm -hmm. when we think about companies who, have nailed down incentive compensation, right? They they figure out this is exactly um, where we need to be. And just similar to your client, right? Where your, your client example, where they got the foundation right, they're starting to grow, and then they're looking to see what comes next, what kind of value they can get out of the power of AI. So for those who have nailed down incentive comp, where do you think that customers can look next? In in terms of AI or in terms of everything, I got mean, to do both. <laughs> uh, yeah, specific to AI. Sure, um, sure, yeah. Well, I, there are so many different use cases from from an, from an AI perspective in terms of you know anticipating challenges, finding opportunities, looking at the um, effectiveness of, of compensation plan design. Um, market trends, demands, there's all these different components. But the, the, if you think about something that I think is really, really powerful is the ability to utilize things like analytics for large data models, right? We, um, we, we were talking to an organization uh, recently and, and, and one of our, our partners, and we talked about the idea of something like a Monte Carlo simulation. And a Monte Carlo simulation is nothing new, but the ability to do it well is... It rests right in that predictive and in an AI and analytics area. And what that allows you to do is run hundreds, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of scenarios through a, um, a, 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 a an idea, a, a design, a, 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 a simulation. And it effectively gives you the ability through advanced analytics to say, all right, luck kind of goes out the door and we now have an idea of we should be between this we ran hundreds of thousands of simulations we're here and you can start to leverage those things that really enable your decision makers to uh evaluate various outcomes figure the ones that they're they're tolerable from a risk perspective and then move forward with it from uh from an execution standpoint yeah and and you say monte carlo and it's interesting when we when we started talking about monte carlo about a year year and a half ago i don't think that we really 
knew how many people in the market knew what it was. And, and it's essentially what you said, which is this like ability to run all of these scenarios and, and kind of pop out probable outcomes. Yep. So one of the examples is that we have in one of our solutions is like, you know, you put in how, what's the percentage of people who are going to finish a plan this year? And then it gives you the probable outcome versus the percentage likelihood of it happening. So pretty yeah. cool stuff there. Um, and I think analytics absolutely is is where people are driving in order to start to get the outcomes that they're looking for, right? So kind of beginning with the end in mind, if you will. <clears throat> the other challenge that you and I have talked about too is kind of this connectivity. Like some of the challenges that we're hearing is um, – you know, all these disjointed processes, all this disjointed tech. So maybe we can chat a little bit about kind of that as well in terms of like once you've got ICM nailed down, then what? Yeah, and I think the the, the that evolution curve I talked about originally, it's it's kind of indicative of, yeah, we were at our, our conference here in, in Europe and I was talking to some, some comp administrators and, and the conversations they were having were, I'm now answering questions about whether my commission is calculated correctly. The biggest thing that they're seeing in terms of, the, the questions that are coming in are around eligibility and crediting, are around territory and quote targets. They're around all of these different components that aren't necessarily actually like the compensation plan and its document. They're the ancillary pieces and the connected pieces that go in to that connected or or, or that 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 go-to-market planning piece that really allows the entirety of the 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 execution engine to, to run. I I was I was privy to a a a breakdown of a conversation we had with the, one of our, our our partner executives. And they talked about how the first time they implemented um, an incentive solution, they focused on the comp plan as the, 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 the actual design doc, right? And as they went and did it, they realized that doing that only solved a portion of the problem. And yeah. as they were going back and looking at what they can do to enhance this, there's all these different things there, like the territories and the, the 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 way that they set up their team and where they place their bets and their targets aren't aligned. The yeah. comp plan starts to fall apart because it's designed with the expectation all those things work. So that you know, if you go back and if this individual had a second chance to do it all over again, they think about it as, hey, it's all of these interconnected pieces. It's not just sales planning. It's not just territories. It's not just, it's actually the entire sphere of a, a connected go-to-market plan that really allows you to move beyond focusing on a calculator and actually start to have massive impacts uh, on the business that uh, that, you're, that you're looking to run. Yeah. And and I, I think to, to further that point, the conversations that we've been having and, you know, the research you read, the research I read is, is constantly points to the fact that data isn't the problem. Like the presence of data is not the problem. It's the absence of connectivity. That's the problem. It's that everything is in a thousand different places and people don't have to pull it all into one place. Um, so kind of tying to issues of this disconnected market mm -hmm. um, or the disconnected go to market engine, um, companies are asking for different outcomes as we talked about. They're no longer saying like, Hey, can you, can you fix this? compensation issue, they're saying, we really want to understand if this compensation plan is effective. We really want to understand if this is going to work for our business and push forward our revenue targets or target, you know, whatever the target is. Um, very cool initiative that just happened. You just worked with the Sales Management Association on behalf yeah. of Ericsson and completed this really cool report. Um, 
specifically about outcomes that companies are looking for. So tell me a little bit about some of the research and some of the outcomes that you got from your research. Yeah, it was, it was really, really cool to, to, to work with the team there. Really, when we started, we started trying to figure out what, what, how we could shape this. And as we continued to look at the, the data and how the conversations around it really came to clear that there's this, that go-to-market planning piece that I, I talked about before is so paramount in, in the success of organizations, but so few are doing it well. Um, and so you, we kind of broke that down and, and, you know, there's, there's sort of three key things and in all honesty, the three key things I'm not going to say here are, are, are completely brand new, but it's just the ability for us to now have that report and point to the data points to say this data represent, if you have this challenge and you do this better, you get this gain is, is really, really, really important. So you talked about the power of data and then utilizing the power of data to, to manage change. And, and the fact that you can only really do that by effectively leveraging your technology to collaborate is, is sort of the, 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 the three key outcomes mm -hmm. to, to, to dive into those, right? If I look at the, the first one, enhanced decision-making can only be done with data, better data, better information. As we continue to talk to our partners, we continually see that individuals want more data. There is more data out there than we've ever had. I know everyone's heard that before, blah, blah, blah. But the idea now is to give the power of that data to the people that are actually out there. There's no sense in holding that data back and making it black box or making it so that those individuals don't have the information. So I, I think it was, I should know, I don't think it was about 93% of companies fail to achieve their go-to-market planning goals. And the biggest component of that was inaccurate data. Like that, like that is one of the biggest holes. And the reasons yeah. for that is the connectivity, the, um, the, 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 the ability to say, Hey, this system and this system, they can't talk to each other. Yeah. Or the fact that there is one part over here, one part over there. So organizations that can ensure that data empowers rather than hinders start to be able to really drive that forward in a much more pro productive and proactive way. And if you yeah. think about it by sharpening those, those capabilities, combining data, enhancing it with AI, and maybe other insight tools that are, that are available, you start to look at planning as a much more data-informed, much more critical um, uh, yeah. process. That really means that when you're looking at that go-to-market planning, you're doing it less based on gut and almost entirely based on the data and the information that's available to you uh, as, mm -hmm. as a planner. Well, you think about how sales planning, you know, when you were a seller in pre-sales, how sales planning has always been done. As long as I was in the market, it was like, well, your quota last year was a million dollars and now it's 5% more. And everybody gets the 5% more because people didn't have better information on which to base new quotas or targets. Um, and so, of course, along with this comes the change element that is a constant theme among our, our different guests that we've had. Managing change being just this significant piece within business, especially with like the disruption in the market over the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I think that was one of the outcomes as well that you. Yeah. Saw. And like I, I, I kind of we, we did a bit of a, a series on this and, and I poked fun of that. Yes, change is hard. Everybody knows <laughs> it's hard. Everybody. It's almost one of those things that you, you, you don't get sick of hearing, it, but you have to start to think about it in a, in a different way. In, in the in the survey, it, it was 60 percent of sales organizations struggle with responding to and implementing change effectively. Fair enough. I think that that's something that people can understand. But the yeah. idea there is not that change is hard. I think right. that's a that's a that, I think, you know, sure. death taxes and change. That's 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 the new thing. But the mm -hmm. idea is that 
how you are an agent of change, how your organization is set up and enabled for change gives you a completely different approach to how you're able to, to manage it. If everybody understands that change is going to happen and everybody is ready for that change and the organization is set up to enable that or empower that change to occur, it means that the plan that you know day one likely needs to change, everybody's ready for it. They're able to start to take that and 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 empower that idea that planning isn't a once a year, once a half type activity. It is a consistent thing that we need to utilize those insights that we talked about from the AI perspective and the power of data to start to continually evolve that plan. So as you're going, you're making sure that you understand, hey, we might need to be agile here, but we're ready for that and we're able to adopt that. And that's part of our, our core DNA. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, again, I, change has been a big piece and it's certainly a takeaway from this conversation as well. I think the biggest thing is, you know, appreciating the change is going to happen, being able to adapt. So again, going back to COVID when um, people were not knowing what to do, sales numbers were down, people were working from home, like there was panic all, all around the place. Um, and companies weren't prepared, weren't capable of pivoting based on the new market reality. And so it's it's having things in place and being prepared with that kind of agility um, to, to change as needed, as the market demands, as your customers demand. We had this example um, where one of, one of our customers, their main sourcer from a different country got all these tariffs and now the, the price of their product had to go through the roof, whereas they could compete on price before. Mm -hmm. And they needed to change their go-to-market strategy because they could no longer compete the way that they used to. And they couldn't do that if they didn't have technology and data in place. So tech, of course, being the third thing and the thing that Verison does very well, but not specifically <laughs> Verison, but um, tech is certainly a part of one of the outcomes that you found as well. Yeah. And tech technology, again, probably not necessarily... Uh, a huge light bulb moment, but technology does make things more efficient. And one of the big things that that the um, that the, uh, the 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 report was able to pull out is that technology enables collaboration, and collaboration is such a key component of that go to market planning concept that if you were doing this in a siloed way or your technology requires you to do it in a siloed or a disconnected way, what that means is that, you know, if you're not able to do that, you're not able to get the information from the individuals on the front end. You're not able to get it from the individuals who are working in the back office. You're not able to collaborate effectively to come up with what is that plan that we're going to to execute on. You're you're leaving yourself short. I think it was 38% of firms find that their collaborative planning efforts are effective. So 38%, which therefore means that 62%, if I can do math, I had that calculator thing initially. I see if that's right. Yeah. So 62% means that they're, they're, the collaboration is, 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 is hindering their ability to, to do this effectively. Maybe it's not it, it, that actually collaboration is hindering. It's that the lack of the ability to collaborate yeah. is. Um, so the ability to have purpose-built tools to engage that conversation, engage that muscle of, of collaboration just gives you the ability to to double your your effective um, planning efforts and effective collaboration. Another output of the the thing could be three times more likely to succeed in your planning efforts if you've got effective collaboration. 
So those types of things, that that one jumped out the page to, to me is just how impactful that can be to an organization. If you're able to harness data and by harnessing data, you're able to better manage change and you can do all of that through the empowerment via technology, you're setting yourself up to be able to, to plan your go-to-market in a much more efficient way. Moving from the conversation of, hey, can you calculate this, this one rule to actually how do we get this huge big juggernaut to go ahead and actually hit our numbers for the year? It's it's very cool having walked through, you know, breaking news 20 years ago. Yeah, we can calculate that to, um, you know, we're seeing value. We want to see more to outcome driven, you know, Mm -hmm. customers saying, we know you can do all of that. This is the outcome we're looking for. And that I think is my very first takeaway of the, the key moments from today is customers are demanding outcomes before, um, technology before problem solving. They're saying, this is what I want first. The second thing that I heard and that resonated with me is this connectivity that drives collaboration. So by taking your your disparate data, bringing it into one place Mm -hmm. um, with workflows, with full transparency, creates this level of connectivity that really elevates how people go to market. And the third piece is change. Right. So my very favorite Gartner quote is technology is never going to move as slowly as is moving today. Um, It's similar with AI. It's accelerating faster than we can even think. And if you are not involved right now in AI, you're you're falling behind. So being able to be adaptable to change is critical as well. So I got one quick point for you on your second thing there around connectivity. There's two sides to that. Right. There's data connectivity. And there's people connectivity and you put the two of them together. Right. And all of a sudden you start to be able to supercharge that entire process. It's like point one and point two, James. Well, now I only have two points. I need to come up with a third point. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, You know, it's clear that you have passion for the industry. It's clear you have a wealth of knowledge, which is why you bring so much value to the team, to our customers, to the business. So thank you so much. Um, To get to know you a little better, I thought we'd get into some quick, questions. Are you ready? Where is the coolest place you've ever planned a hockey tournament? I don't know anything about it. Tell me everything. Uh, I play hockey here in the UK. Not a common thing. I play for the London Devils uh, team that is very near, dear and close to my heart. Um, I organize our trips for about 10 years and the coolest place I've been is Serbia. We did a, 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 a hockey tournament down in Serbia. The people were absolutely amazing. We had some incredible uh, time on the ice and time off the ice. Oh boy! Okay, that's <laughs> that's for outside of the what I wish I knew series. <laughs> <laughs> Second question: What was your very first job? As a, uh, as a as a proper Canadian boy, although I did say I'm living in the UK now, I uh, worked at Tim Hortons. I was uh, I had those wonderful old burgundy stroke maroon. Uh, outfits on with the little visor cap and worked there as a 16 year old, I believe. So, holy moly. And of course, life has changed since then. So, <laughs> when you reflect back, what's one piece of advice you have for a sales rep who's just starting out? What do you think they should ignore? Uh, uh, it's kind of silly and straightforward, but I didn't do it at the start and I, I had to catch up is did never stop learning. Like the, the amount of resources and information out there is 
um, is really, really, well, it's phenomenal now. Um, from an ignore perspective, I think you've got to be careful these days about trying to be too perfect. And that, it's, it's an interesting one because I used to go out and think that I had to script everything, be ready 100% all the time. And the idea that you're going to go into a sales conversation and expect that that is going to go the way that you expect, good luck. Like death taxes change. As soon as you walk into that meeting, someone's going to throw something different at you. So just be prepared um, and ignore the perception of, of perfection. I love that. I think I really struggled with that as a young seller too. Um, finally, and this would not be a what I wish I knew session without asking this question of our guest, what do you wish you knew more about? What do I wish I knew more about? I wish... I wish I could go back in time, all fairness, and that 20 years ago and tell myself like, hey, listen, it's not about calculating. It's all the other things that can make this so much better and really accelerate the journey. But obviously I, I can't do that. Um, but what I wish I, I knew more about is really how organizations can continue the evolution around the, the, the connected go-to-market um, planning and really how all these different pieces work together. Um, I think that the coolest thing that, that I've started to see is that our organizations that we're working with are starting to ask frontline people to be involved in this process and the back office folks who are the administrators to be involved in the process and top and top, top down, bottom up. Um, so all, all of that, like the, the continued evolution there and being a part of it within, within Barrison is, is amazing, but it's just something that I continually am fascinated by is the, the evolution that continues there and just how, as I said, you know, yesterday was old news and tomorrow is going to be crazy and probably something I can't even think about, but just being along for that journey has been, been cool. So I just want to continue to, to, to keep, keep abreast of what's going on in, uh, in our, our partners' roles. So it sounds easy. All you want is to time travel and also have a crystal ball in your time travel. And uh, that sums it up. That's AI, isn't it? I think so. Oh, my goodness. It is. oh goodness. Well, I have never had so much fun. So James, Thank you. As I said before, no, it's such a pleasure to work with you on a day-to-day -day basis, but also a pleasure to have you here today so that you could share your insights with everybody else. Thank you so I'm much. Not too much. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you.